Vamos. Welcome back to Ghostbusters Minute. Ghostbusters Minute is the fan podcast that chronicles and overanalyzes the classic 1984 film Ghostbusters Minute by Minute. I'm Kyle. I'm Brady. And today we're here to bring you Minute number 80. Happy Monday, Brady. How are you doing? Aye. Words that have never been uttered with any enthusiasm. Happy what, happy Monday? Monday? Yeah. Well, you know, it's uh, life is what you make of it, right? So yeah, if you take true. a Monday and you try to approach it, it's a new beginning, a, a new week. I love Mondays. That's I'm right. here, to, here to start a new week. Just quit your job, you know? And, <laughs> yeah, uh, you it's go. Monday. I quit my job, so I'm happy now. I didn't really quit my job. Nobody no, did. No. Don't quit your job, folks. But please, please do uh, stick with the Ghostbusters Minute because uh, we got some pretty cool stuff coming up in the next couple of weeks, right? We do, uh, including the end of the podcast, which I'm, you know, sad to see coming, but uh, it's it's been an interesting ride. Yeah, it's, it's been a lot of fun. I've had a lot of fun watching Ghostbusters, breaking it down, and uh, ruining the movie for myself in a lot of ways. <laughs> you know, you say ruining the movie for yourself, and this, this is something I kind of want to get back into as the show draws closer to an end, but uh, I heard Tom Taylor of uh, the Indiana Jones Minute... Uh, podcast say that he I I think it was before they were going to start getting things geared up for Temple of Doom that he was going to watch the movie without taking notes without even looking into it to analyze it uh, and he's going to be watching it for the last time Mm -hmm. and I thought that was a really interesting thing to say and I understand what he means now that I've been doing this and I now understand what he's talking about and there is something uh, kind of bittersweet in that and bitter in the sense that it's the it's not going to give you that like rush that you've felt as a child, um, but you're now going to be seeing it through a little bit more mature and analytical eyes, Yeah, which uh, is not a bad thing at all. I, I'm you know, going to enjoy Ghostbusters, I, I think more so than I ever have before, but uh, it's it's still interesting to know that this thing, this like uh, best friend that you've had as since a child is now something else, if that makes any sense. Yeah. No, but I, I think that if you know how films are made, that there's a camera set up, that there's lights and stuff like that, like that instantly ruins the experience for you right there. Like if you know that, you know, this is a, a huge undertaking where like hundreds of people are standing around on set, you can't get that out of your mind. It, you know, some movies are able to take you away. They're escapist and Ghostbusters, I do think is one of those, but mm-hmm. you'll always have that in your mind. So I don't know that there's ever really a fresh take going into any one of these things, you know? So I understand what he was talking about Raiders and I understand we're talking about Ghostbusters, but when I say it's ruining the film for us, I don't really mean that. What I mean oh, yeah, is yeah, ruining yeah. the film for everyone who has to watch it with us from now on, because we'll be <laughs> yeah, dropping yeah. trivia Absolutely. on them nonstop. Like, Hey, you see the scene right here. This actually sets up for something later in the movie when you see Dan, you know, Dan's yeah. piano. So, and, uh, and uh, our buddy Scott Carell, over at Back to the Future Minute um, was saying that he's always kind of seen this as something... He, he's able now to watch this movie as an adult and pick out the things that are there for adults. And that was something interesting, too, that uh, as an adult, I'm now able to do. But more so, um, now that someone else who's just a film enthusiast and Ghostbusters enthusiast uh, has been able to point out to me. So... You know, it's it's you know analyzing movies by minute is a really interesting thing that is more than just fun. It's you know a very educational thing, and uh, I'm glad to have now been able to see this movie that I grew up with in that new light. So, yeah. Anyway, well, I want to say real quick, uh, this Friday episode, we are going to have uh, our friends from Two Minute Terminator, Ethan and Ellie, on the show. That's all right. Uh, they're going to be here on Friday uh, with their own special brand of humor coming on. Uh, they're really funny. Uh, you know, Ethan has a real depth of knowledge about geek culture and, and history of film and stuff like that. And uh, Ellie's just a ball of energy. So yeah. the two of them together, uh, if you haven't checked out Two Minute Terminator, it's kind of like, I mean, well, it is a movie by minute podcast, but instead of doing it one minute at a time, they do two minutes at a time. Yeah, because so, they have years of content to cover. Yeah, yeah, and, they do. And here they are at Terminator Genesis. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, 
Yeah, if you're looking for a lot, like a long, just movies by minute show to get into, uh, a really fun one too, and, and different from the other ones, is uh, Two Minute Terminator. So definitely check it out. Brady, speaking of minutes, you want to get into minute number 80? Let's do it. Let's do it. And so in the previous minute, we saw the Ghostbusters arrive at 55 Central Park West and mugging for the crowd that has gathered to see them bust some ghosts. At minute number 80, as the Ghostbusters make their way around the front of Ecto-1, the music begins to change from the Alessa Brothers saving the day to one of the more eerie parts of the score. Things are getting pretty ominous. At 8.05, we cut to a shot of the Ghostbusters looking up at the building with the camera panning from Egon to Vankman with Winston in the background. Everyone looks concerned. At 80.12, we cut to a low-angle shot of 55 Central Park West and can now see the size of the building as well as the dimensional warp that is forming at the altar of Gozer. Lightning strikes atop the building. At 80.14, we cut to a shot of the crowd behind the Ghostbusters who are being blown by a mysterious wind. Government agents and soldiers are standing in front of the barricades. At 80.16, we cut to a shot of the camera pushing in on the Ghostbusters who are still looking up with concern on what's going on atop the building. At 80.20, we cut back to another shot of the building where a dark shadow is now creeping down towards the ground. At 80.24, we cut to a shot of Ray still looking at the top of the building. Ray says that they might have to put a little overtime in on this one. At 8027, we cut to a shot of the exterior, excuse me, we cut to a shot of an exterior light that is being shaken loose from the building outside of the entrance. The light breaks loose and falls. At 8030, we cut to a shot of the street where the ground is now starting to shake and crack. At 8035, the earth beneath the Ghostbusters' feet cracks and opens up, causing them to fall into a hole in the ground. We see several shots of the crowd around the Ghostbusters falling down. The earth opens up and becomes uneven as the streets break apart. At 8046, a police car in front of the building begins to slide forward. Due to the street breaking, it slams into a hole created by the calamity. At 80.50, we see another shot of the building falling apart. The earth holding the cop car has now become more uneven, and the cop car slides further into the ground. There is no sign of the Ghostbusters. And thus ends minute number 80. So ending there on a pretty uh, pretty ominous uh, outlook for yeah. the very near future of the Ghostbusters, they just get swallowed up by the earth and aren't seen anywhere. That's true. Uh, this is another one of those moments where we go from comedy to something uh, pretty foreboding. Yeah, much more serious. In, in this case, yeah. And uh, whenever they're looking up at the sky, we see one of the best examples of the cloud tank uh, effect yeah. that I have ever seen, which was huge in the 80s. Mm-hmm. And you saw it in Poltergeist, you saw it in Ghostbusters, you saw it in Raiders of the Lost Ark, all kinds of of, uh, different examples. It's a standard of the 1980s fantasy film. Yeah, Yeah, but you saw it a lot before then, Uh, even going back to Cecil B. DeMille, who was uh, using this effect in Ten Commandments really well. And Mm -hmm. you even have seen it up to today in Terrence Malick's The Tree of Life. In which it wasn't just an effect for a couple little sequences uh, to give it some atmosphere. It was actually used as... Um, like an act, you know, storytelling point, and uh, it's it was done to great effect in that movie. It's a very simple technique, but it's always cool when you see it. That's right, and uh, I'll let you know how it's done. Yeah, please do. So, so basically, a cloud tank effect is uh, the example that an example that I'll give is whenever the Ghostbusters are looking up at the top of Dana's building, the gray clouds over it is actually water. That's what you're seeing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, the trick is done with a, there's two layers of water and the top layer is fresh water and the bottom is salt water. And whenever you inject some various forms of dye or color, you know, uh, there is a cloud, a sort of a cloud effect that's done. So whenever you, um, irritate the flow of the water, it starts to make some waves and looks like clouds that are being sort of. I don't know, man. Just kind of going. Forming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But but very quickly, not like a slow roll in of a cloud. It's very dark, very fast. It is. And as you're seeing with me here, it's one of those things that's kind of difficult to describe. You really have to just see it and see it done really well. And I've never seen it done quite as well as 
Uh, a moment in Ghostbusters 2 when they're looking, I believe they're looking out of the window at the sky and you see the New York skyline and right from like the center is the clouds sort of like forming this sort of like circle and opening up with the, you know, ghostly beams or whatever you want to call them coming out from that. So it's a, uh, it's a really cool effect. I'm really glad that you covered that because that was one of the things when I was watching this, I made a note to get notes on that and I didn't end yeah. up doing it. So I'm glad you did. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's used uh, here in Ghostbusters and pretty much throughout every shot coming for the rest of the movie. We have the supernatural night that's descending on New York City caused by these clouds. And when they're <coughs> up at the top of the 55 Central Park West fighting Gozer, you see it not only in her dimension or Gozer's dimension through the door that's opened up, but also around the top of 55 Central Park West. Yeah. And speaking of which, uh, 55 Central Park West, um, apparently they had to shut down a few intersections and city blocks to get all the shots for the outside of the building, which were in turn shutting off streets, which would shut off other intersections and other blocks. And they eventually ended up shutting down 60% of Manhattan for this sequence. And people everywhere were just getting pissed off and, you know, couldn't make it imagine. I can imagine. So um, there's a story where uh someone went up to the producer magic and said look what what is going on here is there a movie production or something and he said uh yeah it's the new uh, francis ford coppola movie and ran off <laughs> and then dan Aykroyd and harold ramus were on a uh, street corner just sort of taking a break and here comes one of dan Aykroyd's idols uh Isaac, excuse me isaac asimov really yeah, isaac asimov right wow. they run up to him and dan Aykroyd's like oh mr mr asimov you know this is so great like uh i'm i'm glad you're coming to the set to visit and the guy's <laughs> like no 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 no. i'm walking by because yeah. i have to walk to my home are you responsible for this and he says <laughs> well yeah and he's like well this is disgusting and just walked off uh, so. never meet your idols folks They'll always yeah, disappoint you right <laughs> so let's get into speaking of special effects let's get into this earthquake that happens yeah. um which is obviously you can't cause that earthquake in front of the actual building well they went on to the back lot at the movie studio and built the set a couple of stories uh, off the ground and with hydraulics had the actual street crack and break up and then, you know, you were seeing the earth come up and everything like that. It's probably the most complex set in the movie. Yeah, and it is just done seamlessly between the actual place and then the set. Yeah. I mean, I never really think about it. I'm just always in the movie, in the moment. And uh, so you see the cop car slide into the ground. That's, you know, back in the... Uh, in California. And, yeah. yeah, in California. And then for what they were shooting on the street, they brought in the pieces of broken up earth that were, you know, set up in shape to the exact way that they would have been laid out on the back lot on the set, including the cop car, which they cut in half. And so they had a half a cop car like sitting down into those big fake pieces of earth. So out of the way that they, you know, edited those pieces together seamlessly is just blows my mind. And I never notice it. So, you know, that's a great example of well done special effects and editing. Yeah, and pre-planning, too, to say, like, okay, we need this cut in the exact same shape here that it's going to appear. Because they shot these a a while apart. This New York stuff they shot first. Then they went and shot all the other stuff in California. So this scene of the Ghostbusters crawling out of the pit here we'll have in a couple of minutes with the cop car. That had to be done way in advance of the stuff that was shot in California. So I'm curious if this is the first instance that we have of what they call kind of these days the blue laser in Marvel movies. Or superhero movies, you know, What's at the that? end, it's always like a blue laser going up into the sky or coming down. Uh, Suicide Squad this year had uh, the same thing. At the Avengers, when they open up the portal in the air and they're using uh, the cosmic cube to open up the portal, there's like I, a blue laser in the air. I have no idea what okay, you're talking about. Take my word for this. In, uh, <laughs> Superman, uh, uh, Man of Steel, okay. beam up in the sky. That kind of thing. Okay. So, so there's like no this, literal blue laser in this movie. What I'm saying is at high atop something where the hero has to ascend to. Yeah, the trope of okay, walking yeah, the mountain yeah. to, to get to the top to fight uh, the bad okay, guys. So yeah. I'm curious if this is the first 
kind of like thing on top of a building other than King Kong, you know, where somebody has to go to the top of a building and fight the bad guy. But you see it in pretty much every movie that's out these days. But, you know, I'm trying to think of other cases. Maybe Raiders of the Lost Ark, which has its kind of, you know, the beam of a column of fire that blows the Nazi bodies and all that stuff up into the sky. Is that to a degree? To, to a degree. To a degree. Yeah. Not quite, but to a degree. I cannot think of any other examples, yeah, before Ghostbusters. Yeah, so I'm wondering if that's the first case of that trope. But uh, I did notice something, too. When the cop car starts, first starts to slide into the pit, there's kind of a high-angle shot on it. Mm-hmm. And as it gets to the end, the earth striation underneath the, um, you know, you didn't see the different layers of, of like mud and earth underneath it, yeah. starts to flap in the wind. It's just a painted sheet that's hanging there. Oh, Yeah, wow. so I think some of those were kind of like actual physical sets and some of them that weren't going to be seen as well are just kind of like painted fabric. Yeah, so the yeah. fabric just, just starts to sway in the wind. Yeah. So, Well, that's still, I mean, I've never seen it. So. Yeah, no, it's, it's effective. And, and like we talked about that scene, you, you, you completely buy it as happening all in the same place, even though some of it's shot in California and the low angles and stuff are shot in New York. So. Mm-hmm. There's a, you know, in the um, Ghostbusters Ultimate Visual History, the, the book, they actually have photographs of the extras and the Ghostbusters acting like they're falling, but all they really do is falling out of the bottom of the frame of the camera. Yeah. And there's one in one of the pictures, you see Bill Murray just cracking up because I guess it just looks so silly what they're doing. But yeah. But yeah, that's all I've got for this minute. Great. All right. Well, we'll go ahead and wrap that up and get on to uh, tomorrow's show, folks. So thank you so much for joining us. Like I said, uh, this Friday, we're going to have special guests Ethan and Ellie from Two Minute Terminator to chat with us about Ghostbusters in the 1980s and video stores and all sorts of fun stuff. So uh, look forward to having those dudes on. So, all right, Brady, you ready to get out of here? Let's go. Awesome, folks. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I'm Kyle. I'm Brady. And we're here to remind you that death is but a door. Time a window. We'll be back. Ghostbusters Minute is a fan-supported podcast. To become a patron of Ghostbusters Minute and gain access to exclusive weekly bonus content, visit us at patreon.com slash gbminute. If you like the podcast, then leave us a review on iTunes. You can contact us at ghostbustersminute at gmail.com and visit us online at ghostbustersminute.com, facebook.com slash ghostbustersminute, twitter.com slash gbminute, and look us up on Instagram at ghostbustersminute. Our theme song is Ectoplasm by Audionautics, which is licensed under the Creative Commons Attributions License.